welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy. Produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. Finding new ways to turn algae into fuel and chemicals while using a new method to communicate that progress. I'm your host, John Davis. Last time we talked about turning algae into biodiesel, even growing the pond scum in the temperate Midwest to possibly one day replace soybeans as a feedstock for the green fuel. In this edition of the Domestic Fuel Cast, we'll listen in on one of the sessions sponsored by the Biotechnology Industry Organization, BIO, at the recent 2009 World Congress on Industrial Biotechnology and Bioprocessing that was held in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. During this breakout session, which was offered to reporters and those who could not attend the event by way of a webinar, four leaders in the algae growing and processing field, Steve Gluck, a scientist with Dow Chemical Company, Tom Byrne of Excel Renewables, CEO of Culturing Solutions, Dean Soupe, and Chief Operating Officer of Alginol Biofuels, Ed Legere, discussed different methods of algae production and the future for it in the fuel and chemical fields. Gluck says it comes down to three points. There's uh, government support is required in terms of research and infrastructure creation. Uh, Scale-up is difficult and will require breakthroughs in terms of capital and time right now. And the products from algae have large opportunities as chemical feedstocks uh, that we've seen on the small scale if we can get to the large scale. And they're different than fuels in terms of scale and purity. Similar to fuels in terms of pricing because of crude oil being so big out. Gluck admits you might have heard it before, but he believes algae is just five to ten years away from really making a big breakout and becoming commercially scalable. Excel Renewables' Tom Byrne addressed a big issue on everyone's minds, how to make algae growing and harvesting economically viable. Right now our capital cost with putting in harvesting equipment is about $40,000 an acre. If you break it down, an acre is a little over 100, or about 134, 135,000 gallons. So you're at about 30 cents a gallon with harvesting equipment involved in that, or about 8 cents a liter. Uh, you break the amortization down. Right now, we're harvesting about 0.4, something like that, uh, grams per liter. Turns out to be around 25,000 tons or so on an annual basis. Uh, per acre uh, of uh, mass on a dry basis. We, that's achievable fairly easily. We feel as we learn more of monitoring the system, we should be able to get up to 50 without a lot of difficulty and uh, theoretically should be able to get over 100 uh, tons per acre of mass, but we're a little ways out on that. We need to, to learn Algae looks easy to grow until you try to do it in an open environment uh, and also understand that the growing season, even in Arizona, is not all year-round. It does get cold uh, and knocks you out part of the year. Dean Soupe from Culturing Solutions pointed out there are a lot of value-added products besides the biodiesel that can be made from algae. The profound living, giving, life-giving properties of algae. Algae are very unique in that they are one of the only sources that provide all of the building blocks for biological cell reproduction in animal and humans. Algae contain all of the nine amino acids that the body cannot make. The essential fatty acids are also present in algae, which has been explained, the omega-3 and omega-6. Algae contain essential vitamins such as vitamin A in the form of beta-carotene, all the vitamin Bs, as well as vitamin C and vitamin D. 
In short, algae contains almost everything one needs to sustain life. Subsequently, algae contains almost everything one needs to restore health by, by providing the raw materials to make new cells that function normally. And Alginol Biofuels' Ed Legere points out that algae will play a critical role in the carbon sequestration requirements that might be passed in the so-called cap-and-trade legislation. Um, I'm sure everyone in this room has heard that uh, there's probably a carbon tax on the way, a cap-and-trade taxation. However they're going to do it, I'm not quite sure, but um, it seems fairly inevitable that this is going to happen. So I, I think that the free ride that carbon's had for the last hundred years is over. There's going to be some form of taxation to force companies and force people to change their habits to get away from the carbon economy. Um, whether that'll ever work or not, I, I don't know. I'm not here to, to argue one way or another. But I think from algae companies, one of our most cost, uh, uh, highly uh, um, used feedstock that we have is carbon dioxide. And so if one of your feedstocks is now going to be forced to be collected by government regulations, that should lower overall the feedstock costs for that. So I think that leaves an opportunity for algae companies. Plus, Legere believes we are not too far away from being able to produce the carbon sequestering algae on a scale that will make it viable for the large-scale sequestering that soon might be required. The crowd at the meeting in Montreal, as well as those listening on the Internet, had plenty of questions for the group, such as how do you prevent contamination of the algae from outside sources that might bring in toxins, and how do you prevent genetically modified algaes from contaminating the environment around them? the feasibility of the CO2 sequestering operations near power plants, and how government policies will affect the future uses of algae as a fuel and chemical. If you'd like to hear more, just go to BIO's webpage, biotech-now.org. I'm John Davis reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry. 